Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to the Speak Healing Words podcast. I am so glad you have found your way here. Imagine that. So many opportunities, so many podcasts, so many online teachings, and you are here. So welcome. Have a seat. Grab a pencil if you want, a highlighter, cup of tea, hot coffee, hot chocolate, or maybe you're eating your lunch at your lunch break. I just want you to take a deep breath. Let's do that together. This is a safe space, a good space. I hope you have your headphones on and you've tuned out the world and it's just you and me, nobody else. I like to think of this podcast as an overflow. I created it with that in mind so that my clients in my private practice and readers of my books or attendees at my conferences, that this is a place where you can gather more information, deeper teachings and a lot of practical tips and tools to actually live into your very best God-breathed self. Every word I speak, I pray, is bathed in love and acceptance and joy, and that you know, above all else, that your heart is safe here. And I hope that your heart understands and really grasps its value, its worth, and its dignity. I am Janelle, and I am committed to helping and loving and serving and being a part of the Speak Healing Words community, a community committed to the three-fold cord of emotional health and spiritual authenticity. We want to live our lives from a place, a healthy place, a healthy sense of self, healthy, healthy, healthy behavior patterns and healthy communication skills because I believe 200 million percent that when we commit and have a growth mindset to be healthy, to eat healthy, live healthy, have healthy spirituality and healthy emotions, that our lives can affect our spheres of influence in a greater way and we can be happier and healthier and have more meaning and flourish. So welcome. This is the is week one of a brand new study that we're doing here in season two. We started off with our four weeks in Ephesians 4, and now we're moving into a big old lovely discussion, do the one thing that changes everything. And we're going to dive into 1 Corinthians 13, which teaches us all about love, because love is absolutely essential, moving and practicing and living our lives from a heart Filled with love really makes our lives far, far better. I write a lot about this. Well, not a lot because you can only fit so much in a chapter in a book. But in practice, 
four, pray through and stay with the process in my newest book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, I write a lot about a woman named Hannah. And you'll see if you go back, we in, in season one, we went through each of the nine practices in my new book. So you can go back to practice four, pray through and stay with the process and learn a lot more about Hannah. But just in a nutshell, Hannah lived way back in the day in the city of Ephraim. So we could have said that she was a real wife of Ephraim, a real housewife of Ephraim. And Hannah's husband uh, was a great man, a great man in the city, but he, Hannah could not bear a child. So he had to go and get himself another wife. And so that wife, we call her Penny because her name is Penaniah. I call her Penny for shorts. And she just had a bazillion children. And Penny was what we call in the literary world an antagonist in the story. And Penny, for years and years and years and years, pummeled Hannah with hurtful words and hurtful actions and a whole lot of antagonism. So Hannah's our protagonist. And Hannah, we watch her life in 1 Samuel 1 in the Old Testament of the book we call the Bible that we love. And it's a short chapter, but jam-packed with drama. And Hannah just gets pushed to the edge, man. Pushed to the edge. I don't know how she stayed as sane as she did, but there's a little verse tucked in 1 Samuel 1, verse 11, that says, Hannah wept and prayed much. And we find and we found out and we discussed how that was the secret. If she had only wept, she would have been so discouraged she may have taken her own life. That's typically what happens if we get so, we fall so down the hole of depression, despair, despondency. It can often end in great mental anguish. But Hannah added that we, well, the writer (laughs) added that conjunction and Hannah wept and prayed much. And in this process, Hannah learns a heck of a lot about love. And so in my book, I write from her viewpoint and her perspective of how she did the one thing that changed everything. Hannah chose to love and not hate. Oh, I'm sure she felt hate. Hate is an emotion. And I'm sure she felt anger. And I'm sure she felt uh, like she would want to be really revengeful. But Hannah wept much and prayed. So she would go to God, her source of love. He is the source of love. And she would get from him what she needed from God. She got these... unimaginable ways to love this woman who perpetually pummeled her with such hurt. So she teaches us and challenges us, and I write this on page 88 in Overcoming Hurtful Words, how on earth is this type of love, this love that Hannah emulates for us towards enemies, towards people who hurt us, How on earth do we love like that? Is it even possible? And I ask you to take some time, and I'm going to do that today. So take some time to remember when you first received 
the message of God's love towards you? How did that change your heart? How did it change your life? How did it change your relationships? I know for me personally, it it just changed everything. Once I realized how much God loved me, valued me, how he had bestowed me with worth and dignity, well, it, it just created a whole new framework through which I look at life. It enabled me, it gave me an enlarged capacity to offer that same kind of love to everyone in my sphere of influence. Because in and of myself, as I said in our uh, last week of our Ephesians 4 study, I cannot love, I cannot have patience, I cannot have kindness, I cannot have any of these beautiful virtues in and of myself. Even even if I'm a very good person, at some point, I'm going to get exhausted of it. I, I have an unlimited, I have a limited supply within myself, but God offers me an unlimited supply. So as long as I connect to God and I come away and I implement these practices of silence and stillness and solitude and prayer, and I, I actually slow down the pace of my life where I'm not rushing and stressing and filled with busyness, I can actually decompress and move through my life from a different position when I move through a position of rest and collected strength. I also ask in practice four, what does the redeeming love of God look like on a daily basis in your home, in your family, in your community, and in your church? So here in week one, we are starting our journey through 1 Corinthians 13. And we're only getting, we're only going in to verses 1 through 3 because they are filled to the brim with wisdom. So let me read what Paul writes. And I am reading from the voice translation of the Bible. What if I speak in the most elegant languages of people or in the exotic languages of the heavenly messengers, but I live without love? Hmm. Well then, anything I say is like the clanging of brass or a crashing cymbal. What if I have the gift of prophecy and blessed with knowledge and insight to all the mysteries of life? Or what if my faith is strong enough to scoop a mountain from its bedrock, yet I live without love? If so, Paul writes, I am nothing. Nada. Zip. Zero. Verse 3. I could give all that I have to feed the poor. I could surrender my body to be burned as a martyr. But if I do not live in love... I gain nothing by my selfless acts. Paul just boils it all down for the believers here in this city of Corinth. Our Ephesian study, Paul was writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. Here he's writing to the church in Corinth. Religious people often spend their time practicing rituals, projecting dogma, and going through the motions or the routines that might look like Christianity on the outside. 
but that lack the essential ingredient that brings all of it together, love. It is a loving God who birthed creation and now pursues a broken people in this most spectacular way. That same love, that must be our guide as followers of Jesus. So that our faith is authentic and real and it isn't a meaningless noise. Thank you, voice translation, for these beautiful words, this incredible interpretation of what it means to live in love, to live like Jesus lived and love like Jesus loved. Not religious, even though our rituals and our practices and our traditions and our liturgy and and our community and our going to church are all good, good things. If they are done without love as their foundation, if they're only done in rotes and rituals and habit and, as Paul says, routine, check it off the list. Aren't I a good person because I served at the soup kitchen? I go to church four times a week. My friends, there was a day in my life I went to some form of church practice four to five times a week. All good things, not saying that these are not good practices. Heck, never misquote me here. But Paul is urging. He's crying out to these people back in the day and crying out to us. And now I'm calling back to us from his teachings that if we do not have love as the framework of how we see and move and, and, and offer our lives to those around us, we are just a meaningless noise. You've heard the conversations. If you have ever, ever been in the church, the established church here in the 21st century, that's where we live and breathe and have our being, we have our own little Christianese language. And we say so many times trite sayings, trite, even though they're good and like, oh, yes, I'll pray for you. And do you ever pray for that person? Or, oh, sister, I love you after someone has totally spoken hurtful words over you. And then they come back with, oh, but sister, I love you. Oh, do you? Okay, I'm glad. Ooh. Well, I, I want to make sure, first and foremost, that I, Janelle, as not only a person, but as your teacher, I'm looking in the mirror and taking a good, hard, long look at my own heart so that I make sure I'm practicing these words so that I can offer them to you in authenticity. And then we can hold one another accountable because that's what we do here in the Speak Healing Words community is we're creating a community of healthy, healthy men and women, healthy people, healthy God followers who offer to the world Lives filled with love and not lives that are just meaningless noises. I don't want you to be a meaningless noise, a clashing cymbal, a clanging bell. I don't want you to just be noise. I want you to breathe and live and bring the beauty of love to those in your sphere of influence. So take your, take your, 
take some time. I'm so excited. Take some time to perhaps really chew on, meditate, muse on 1 Corinthians 13, these three verses that Paul says, you know, you can be the greatest evangelist. You can be the greatest, smartest doctor. You can find the cure to cancer. You can quote every every word of the Bible. You can this, you can that, you can this. But if you do not have love, love is the essence. Love is essential for us, the body, to work together and to be members. Members who are very different with little in common, but because of the love that comes when we are submitted and serving God, we have a common cord among us. Now, just as a basic loving, to define love, I love to go to C.S. Lewis's The Four Loves, this beautiful piece, this beautiful book that he he wrote. And he offers us four types of love, storge in the Greek, which means an empathy bond. So a familial bond. So we have storge, which is our family of origins, hopefully, hopefully imaged for us this familial bond. You know, whether it's by, you know, he says in here, you know, this is usually the bond by chance. You know, you're just born into this family. Well, if, if you're a part of our community, you know that we have to accept that as providence. We have to make reconcile that God has placed us in our family of origins for an ultimate purpose and a reason. And so we have this storge love, this love from our familial bond, those that are uh, been the nearest and dearest to us. There's a filii or philia, a friend bond, and that's the root of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? Philia. It's a friend bond. It's it's the beautiful experience I had today at a at a at a lunch with two of my deepest friends, and and it was a philia bond there. Eros love, which is erotic. It's an erotic bond. These are all bonds. An erotic bond is just a the love between you know husband and wife and. Um, the love over uh, a, a romantic love. And then we have agape. Agape is that unconditional God love, a love that we do absolutely nothing to uh, be possess. God just loves us so unconditionally. And so as we move through these four weeks and we keep uh, 1 Corinthians 13 in the front part of our, that prefrontal cortex where we're going to reason and rationalize and and, and try to move into a deeper realm of practicing love in our lives. Um, keep these first three verses in your mind this week as we will we'll move into our, our Facebook Live conversation and we'll move into reading more about it on, on my blog and just keeping this these three verses in our minds so that we can truly elevate and deepen our capacity to truly love others well. So I love that Paul invites us in these first three verses to really understand, to take a step back and evaluate and look into our hearts and go, how am I loving? Am I loving well? Am I loving others? Do I even have any love inside of me? Or am I so broken or dry or stressed or worn out 
if that any of the answer is is yes to those questions, then I want you to take a step back. I want you to take some time over this course of this week to examine your heart and assess your love tank. Is it empty? Does it need to be filled? Oh, so good. And as we move through these next three weeks, as we're in week one, week two, week three, week four, we're going to learn to love ourselves, love God, love ourselves, love others, and love the body of Christ, the church at large. And I premise this uh, with the beautiful picture book, childhood picture book, The Velveteen Rabbit, because I think that the author Marjorie Williams really captures what Paul is saying. Boy, they just are in sync with how they are presenting to us this image of what love looks like. And being an avid picture book reader, I get so many theological truths from picture books. And maybe we'll just do a whole series on that, right? So fun. And Marjorie Williams just has this capacity uh, as an author to take this little rabbit, a stuffed rabbit and a stuffed skin horse in this children's nursery. And boy, oh boy, does she nail what it means to really be real. Number one, become real. And number two, to have real love operating in your life. So I'm going to leave us today with a few lessons from the Velveteen Rabbit. And uh, I hope they mean as much to you as they did to me. And they make you smile and they make you sit back and go, okay, I got to work on becoming real and I've got to work on um, this real love. What does real love look like? So the skin horse, he's one of our main characters in the book. He had lived longer in the nursery than any of the others. He was so old that his brown coat was bald in patches and showed the seams underneath. And most of the hairs in his tail had been pulled out to string bead necklaces. He was wise, for he had seen a long succession of mechanical toys arrive to boast and swagger, and by and by break their mainsprings and pass away. And he knew that they were only toys and would never turn into anything else, for nursery magic is very strange and wonderful, and only those playthings that are old and wise and experienced, like the skin horse, understand all about it. Well, one day, this new inhabitant, the Velveteen Rabbit, they were laying side by side near the nursery fender before the Nana came in to tidy the room. And Velveteen Rabbit asked Skin Horse, the wise Skin Horse, what is real? Does it mean having things that buzz inside of you and a stick out handle? Because you see, the rabbit had been comparing himself to the other toys in the nursery. And Skin Horse says, oh, rabbit, real isn't how you are made. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, you, oh, not only just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Oh, rabbit says, does it hurt? Sometimes 
said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. That's why I love skin horse, because we're always truthful here in our community. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Okay, stick with me and lean in. Does it happen all at once like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? Skin horse says, listen, it doesn't happen all at once. You become. It takes a long time. Now I want you to hear between the lines here because there's so much here. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, capital R, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all. Because once you are real, you can't be ugly, except to people who don't understand. Once you are real, it lasts for always. Oh my goodness, real love, becoming real, becoming authentic, becoming our truest selves. This is what we've been talking about for weeks now. Coming home to our essence, to our God breathe Genesis 2, 7, beginning. Who God breathed into us to be. And yes, yes, my dear friends, it does hurt to become real. It does hurt to work through your history of hurts. It hurts to make a commitment to change, to transform unhealthy behaviors and skills to new healthy behaviors and skills. It hurts. It does. It's uncomfortable. It is un... It's like a foreign land. All of a sudden, you're trying so hard to become new and real. And everything feels so different. But I want you to stay with this process, please. Stick with me. Let's do this together. Let's become real together. Let's learn about real love. And let's learn more about God, our source of love, right here. I'm going to let you have some time to think through today. This was a lot. And you, if you're a client of mine or you've been in my presence, I say that a lot. This is a lot to take in. But it's so rich. And I desperately want you to release yourself into this brand new, wonderful experience of love. What it means to have God's love and what it means to live in God's love and what it means to offer that love to everyone in your sphere of influence. So until next time, may the words of Paul and the words of my humble self Ring true and resonate in you all week. I'll see you next time. Be blessed. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com. 